0: Kathy Zip, managing editor of Solar Power World magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. As the solar industry goes through its growing pains, there's no shortage of ebb and flow to watch. Some businesses boom, while some lose their place in the market, and still others may stumble but come back stronger than ever. These, I think, are the ones we can learn the most from, and that's why I'm so excited to be speaking with Andrew DePass, CEO of Connergy, today. So, Andrew, thank you so much for being with
1: us. Oh, it's great to be chatting with you, Kathy.
0: Thank you. Andrew, can you start off by telling us about your background? I'm always interested to hear how people got into the solar industry. So, did you ever think that you would be in solar?
1: My background is primarily as a private equity investment professional. I spent over 15 years in Citigroup in private equity, initially as a managing director in CVC International, the emerging market private equity arm of City. In 2006, I founded and headed up a group at City called Sustainable Development Investments, or SDI. This was a private equity group focused on investments in renewable energy, waste, water management, sustainable agriculture. So it was around that time that I really started to focus on this renewable energy sector as a private equity professional. I transitioned from my private equity position at Kawa Capital, the majority shareholder of of Conergy, to becoming the CEO, and it was a natural progression in so far as I was the executive chairman on the board of directors of Conergy and had a very good working relationship with the senior management globally at Conergy, and given the importance of the Conergy investment to Kawa, the board of directors asked me, and I accepted to become the CEO. But for the last decade, I've been involved in renewable energy and solar specifically, so it's a natural progression in my career for me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that background information. Again, following a year of rapid financial turnaround, as Andrew explained, he was promoted from his prior position as executive chairman of the Connergy Board. And with a new team of executives, he will be leading the company. So, congratulations, Andrew. That's very exciting. In a recent press release, Andrew, you said that Kawa acquired. Connergy in 2013, and your team has turned Connergy around from a position where it was seeing losses to one where it now sees profits, large ones, in fact, with nearly half a billion in revenue. And Connergy also installed 300 megawatts of utility-scale projects just last year. So, Andrew, can you talk about the position that Connergy was in in 2013, and then what changes you made to turn things around to reach this kind of success?
1: Sure thing. So as you probably know, Conergy was once one of the largest renewable energy players in Europe and certainly the largest publicly traded with a, a peak market value of about 2 billion euro. Carnegie ran into trouble as they vertically integrated upstream into panel manufacturing, including cells and wafers right when the Chinese were moving into the market. And they had also integrated uh, vertically into inverters and racking and even horizontally into other types of renewable energy uh, with a significant debt load. So in 2013, Connergy as a group was losing tens of millions of dollars and had significant debt. And that's one reason why the parent entered into insolvency in 2013. So what we did at Kawa is we acquired between August and November 2013, all of the downstream solar units of Connergy globally. We did not acquire any businesses that themselves were insolvent. At the same time, the manufacturing arms were sold off, specifically the module manufacturing business in Frankfurt Oder outside of Berlin to uh, astronomy. They were racking to a local construction firm in Germany, and as part of our restructuring, over €250 million Euro of debt was eliminated. So. One of the reasons for the success, and I'll get into more specifics shortly, relates to the restructuring. So we eliminate debt, and now we're free, and we do not have any manufacturing. We're pure play solar downstream. This means, with focus, we're project development, EPC, and O&M. And so we've managed over the course of, of 2014 with really supporting businesses that work in reducing numbers of people in focus where it doesn't work to generate this $500 million of revenue and turn a, a slight profit, which is a big change from 2013 where the loss was significant. So I think the key success factor really was focus, no debt, and know what businesses support and what businesses are not core to us. And at the same time, making sure that our people are motivated excited and understand what the Conergy mission is on a global basis.
0: I'm sure some of just what you said kind of lead into the next question here. I'm wondering what business lessons can you offer other solar developers and EPCs from all this?
1: I think it's really important to be equipment agnostic. I think that while many of the larger solar downstream players like First Solar and SunPower and even Sun Edison are tied into equipment, I think there's a new generation of nimbler and large but not equipment tied in solar developers, EPC and O&M firms. So I think that that's number 1. I think the, the second issue is to make sure that you have debt-free or close to debt-free capital structure so that you have financial flexibility, which is very important in the project business. Yes, you can have non-recourse debt down at the actual project level, but your holding and operating company should have maximum financial flexibility.
0: Great answer, Andrew. Thank you so much for that advice. With G's expertise in financing and O&M, I did want to ask a little bit about those. With financing first, so Andrew, what insights or trends can you share with us about the solar financing market?
1: So, solar financing market is a very broad definition because you have to look by geography. So, in the U.S., the financing market is very much driven by availability of tax equity. This is critical to success. At the same time, we've seen that the rating agencies really accept and the solar economic, and have moved to provide good ratings, which has fueled the securitization market in the U.S. for residential, which has a certain amount of contract uniformity, and we've seen the cost drop down into the low single digits for the larger players. I think some markets, again, focused on the U.S., really require innovation in financing is something that is focused on. So we were the first player to use individual tax equity on a transaction that we led. This was for the JCC, the Jewish Community Center in Palo Alto. So being able to tap, tap into individual tax equity appetite is innovative and we've been able to do that through Kawa's client network. Uh, in addition, we're looking for other innovations in finance and we intend to launch CNI Pay- product with the first commercial industrial PACE deal to be closed in a matter of weeks. Now, when you move to the other markets, be it the UK or Japan or Southeast Asia, they don't have tax equity issues. But what we have seen is great receptivity from local and global banks to provide construction finance and long-term finance. And we've seen that the rates have come down drastically over the last 12 or 18 months. And finally, you have to consider the financing markets for emerging markets, be it Middle East like Jordan or Africa or Southeast Asia like the Philippines where we are very large. There, it's important to work with the development banks that provide a certain amount of cover for political or sovereign risk, IFC and some of the German development banks, KFW, etc.,
0: Wonderful. And same question about the operations and the maintenance market. What do you see going on there? Again, focused in the U.S.
1: I think with the operations and maintenance, hopefully as larger players emerge, there's going to be some rational pricing. What we've seen market after market historically is that EPC players basically don't properly cost out O&M And they end up with a pretty big liability on their balance sheet because they have real O&M expenses. And they do that really as a loss leader to win EPC business. So what we're seeing now is more discipline where O&M is priced out for what it truly costs with an appropriate margin. We're also seeing, you know, consolidation opportunities. We're pretty large in Europe with 500 megawatts, and we have a pipeline of M&A that over the next couple of years could take us to a gigawatt. You really need scale to justify the cost of your net operating centers or NOx, but at the same time, you have to have a network of small-scale players that can actually go out to site to perform the O&M.
0: One last question for you, Andrew. What are you most excited about in 2015?
1: Well, at a macro level, what I'm most excited about is the fact that solar has truly become mainstream. It's no longer a niche or a fad. It's here to stay. What does that mean? It means that the utilities are going to start to embrace solar and not think of it as an enemy. And hopefully, solar companies will think about how they can work with utilities rather than fight them so that it's a win-win for all. That's the first thing I'm excited about. And certainly, the RWE investment at Conergy is an illustration of solar companies like ours cooperating with large utilities. Secondly, I'm really excited, uh, Conergy, about our continued expansion into new emerging markets, such as Mexico and Chile, Middle East and Africa, and parts of Southeast Asia.
0: All right, wonderful insights. And again, we've been speaking with Andrew DePass, CEO of Conergy, and we'd like to thank him once more for his wonderful insight. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. This has been another edition of Solar Speaks. I'm Kathy Zitt, Managing Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time.